Welcome back to your favorite scary movie. My name is Cam Weeks, and today with me, I have my dear friend, Lee. Lee, welcome. Hi, Cam. So, Lee, what's your favorite scary movie? My favorite scary movie is It Follows. Excellent choice. I've wanted to talk about this for a while, so let's just dive in. Um, why did you pick this movie? Because um, it's a horror movie that like doesn't do the like the normal horror movie tropes. Mm-hmm. It does something completely different. It really focuses on ambiguity um and like just all of it is so mysterious and i just think it's fantastic and especially the music that's really what it is for me that is totally exactly what i was thinking it's the music and the ambiguity i actually have down in my notes the word ambiguity and the (gasps) word music wow wow so let's start from the beginning of this movie. We were actually just discussing it before we started recording. It dives right in. Oh, yeah. To a pretty terrifying scene. With absolutely no explanation. With absolutely no explanation, which is exactly what this movie is. Terrifying with no explanation. Yeah. You kind of get the idea that something is following. You don't know what that means before you see it, right? And just it starts off with this girl just mm-hmm. running around and like... Not the cutest outfit. She's in a. Lie. She's in. I think what what it looks like to me is a pajama and like a nighty, a nighty yeah. and like kitten heels. Yeah, like like kitten heels. So she's like sprinting around this like suburban neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, kind of like in a circle, and the camera's just panning, and it's just her running from nothing, from nothing or something, something unseen. And she has like a really interesting interaction with her dad, where right. he's like calling for her. You know, she's running in and out of the house, and then she takes off in her car, and then doesn't acknowledge her dad at all. And then you see her on like a like a shore mm-hmm. calling her dad. And then once again, it pans, the camera pans to something that's not there. And that's what the movie is so amazing for. That's what makes it so unique. That's what makes it so likable and refreshing, but thoroughly scary. Yeah. When I was rewatching this movie, I was so surprised about how well it held up and how well those scares held up. Yeah. A lot of times when you see a movie initially, maybe the the scares hit you a little bit more. And then second go around, you realize it's like, you know, this is a little contrived. It's another jump scare. Yeah, it yeah. got me the first time. But now I was expecting it. Oh, boy. This Not movie is really, really terrifying. Yeah. And, I mean, and like we were saying, it dives right in. And then the death of the first unnamed girl dies a really graphic and awful death and it's crazy because you don't know what killed her or how or how it killed her so you do see a car that has its lights on and Mm -hmm. the engine is still running parked in front of her and she's sitting kind of along the shoreline and then it it just cuts to it was nighttime and then it cuts to daytime and then it's just her with her legs snapped snapped so now after that we're introduced to sort of the climate of the movie and what is to come but not enough for us to know exactly what we should be expecting yeah so you you see that they're kind of in like a more like to me it was like 1950s styled homes really dated yeah it's like 50s and it's 50s to 70s style those kind of like ranch homes yeah and like small tvs and all black and white and they only watched like like 50s movies. movies yeah but 
the one girl, um, one of the friends, she had a little, her little shell Little phone. shell e-reader. But even the shell e-reader is really peculiar because it's not a, it's not a nook. It's like a flip phone. What? Yeah, I know. Like we've, and it's not, it doesn't, that is undateable. A Completely. shell e-reader. You see in the beginning, the, the first kill, she uses a cell, cell phone, phone. Yeah. But then they have these old TVs. Yeah. And even if you look like pay attention to the cars, it's like newer model cars and then older model cars that are all, none of them are like uh, beat up or broken down. They're all like relatively new looking and and still current. Um, But they're models that would been from the 70s or 80s. Mixed with some stuff from like 2010. And I think that that choice, and it's not immediately noticeable. I think it's something that you may pick up the more you see it or the the better attention you pay. But it's really creepy and unnerving. Oh, yeah. I feel like movies that, you know, uh, take place or, or kind of push too hard to be contemporary. My, the, the best example I can think of is One Missed Call. Have you ever heard of that? No. One of the worst horror movies or movies probably ever to come out in the mm. past uh, 20 years. Okay. But it's all about uh, getting cell, your cell phone gets haunted. Oh. And, you know, so so the, the idea that, like, we have this, like, neo-horror or uh, technology gets possessed. I feel like yeah. that's kind of something that that we see a lot. We see often in sci-fi and horror, uh, uh, Black Mirror, for example. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. this movie takes a really different turn. It's not dated. It's not... We know for a fact it's not from the 80s or 90s. Yeah. It is supposed to be somewhat contemporary, but there's something about it that's off. When I was watching the film, I kept thinking of A Clockwork Orange. Really? Oh, yeah. So, um, especially with the music, it's very... I, yeah, it does sound like Wendy Carlos. Yeah, and it's very, um, like, timelessly retro. Um, timelessly that... retro. I really ooh, love that saying. I don't ooh, think I've ever heard that yeah, before. Yeah, she coined it. <laughs> yeah, it just, especially with the music and just the constant sense of, like, you're in an unsettling area. Like, it's, it's peril. coming. Yeah. It's that sense of peril. Absolutely. Yeah. The the music, even when you you listen to the score without watching the film, yeah. it's very dreadful. It's very eerie. But yeah. you have that. It's, it's sort of fun at the same so, time. Yeah. So I actually I know a little about a little bit about the composer. Do tell. So his name is Disasterpiece, mm-hmm. and they are like a famous chiptune musician. But they work on a lot of video games, um, like like classic like retro feeling um, video games, like. I don't know if you'll know Fez. I've never heard of that. I'm not a video game person, but okay. I'm sure somebody listening is. Yeah. So Let's Fez. Hope. Fez. If you knew it, it sounds exactly the same. And adds to that sense of ambiguity um, because it's another thing that's maybe uh, referring to something older. It with definitely the retro recalls vibe. the 80s. It definitely recalls the 80s, undoubtedly. And yeah. then a lot of the, like we were saying, the clothes, the oh, cars, yeah. the technology. Yeah. There is no specific time period we can't really define where we are um and the shooting location also perfectly enables that yeah um i believe it was shot in a suburb of detroit or a neighborhood Mm. of detroit that has not been updated yeah (laughs) clearly not been updated in that's like it was scary to watch the the town itself yeah when they were like panning through all like the abandoned homes it was like that, that was like scarier than some of like the moments that they were playing with in the film. It was terrifying. The use of atmosphere and, and how it can play into the story so well, yeah. I think was seamlessly done. Um, sometimes movies that are heavily atmospheric kind of lack content or some yeah. movies that are really contact, content heavy 
um, sort of sacrifice atmosphere. And the way that these two play together really aids in the fears. Completely. Going off of what we were saying about ambiguity, uh, let's jump into a little bit of the plot. So after that first death sequence, we're then introduced to our main group of characters Mm -hmm. and our protagonist, Jay. Uh, it's Jay, her sister, and then their little group of friends. Yeah. And that's essentially all wh- whom we're going to follow through this movie. Yeah. We first see Jay lounging in this above-ground pool. <laughs> it's a look. <laughs> and I'm sure you've noticed this, too, that she's being watched by her two little neighbor Neighbors. boys. Yeah. And there's nothing inherently insidious about this. It's, like, harmless. It you is know what harmless, I mean? but this is indicative of what we are going to start experiencing through this movie, but in a much more nefarious way. It it brings in the theme of innocence, but also just the idea of being followed. Exactly. And that's what I picked up on mostly. So moving forward, she goes on a date with a guy that she's been seeing. It seems like she's been seeing him for a little while, enough to know her sister. Her sister has an opinion on him. Her sister has an opinion on him. Her sister, you know, likes him. Yeah. But we don't know too much about him. It doesn't seem that she knows too much about him either. This isn't isn't a long-term boyfriend at all. Yeah, so mysterious. So they go to a movie theater, um, I guess it's sort of like on the main street of their uh, Detroit neighborhood. Yeah. And it is a creepy, (laughs) very dated theater. Very beautiful theater. Yeah. But... Uh, maybe not somewhere that I would particularly want to see a movie on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, no, not really. So she goes on the date with this young man mm-hmm. and they're standing in line to purchase their tickets and they play this kind of peculiar game. Yeah, it's it's something that like I've never played as a kid. It's I, something weird. I doubt this is a real game. Yeah. It's sort of convoluted, but it works really well with the film. And I oh, think that, that even the fact that it's convoluted works well with the film, yeah. considering this film does not want to explain much to you at all the game works a little something like this you're standing with your friend and you have to silently pick a different person around you who you would like to sort of trade places with yeah and then your friend has to guess who you picked and then also i suppose guess why or you have to at least explain to them what why you picked it yeah so the date picks a little boy a little boy yeah with his father and mother and he comments on just how much fun he's having he doesn't have anything to worry about Mm -hmm. nothing wrong and that introduces the theme of innocence in the film yeah that's an interesting thing that you picked up on because i don't think i i noticed it until now but now that i'm thinking of it and and sort of incorporating innocence into the plot of the movie, I can see why you saw that. Yeah. So they go into the theater. And like I said, it's this eerie old theater. There's an organist Mm -hmm. playing uh, to to warm the crowd before the film, which is not something that happens in this uh, day and age. Nothing I've ever heard of. I think like the past hundred years. This is something that I believe was commonplace in the early years of cinema but probably i don't think any theater in in uh the 2000s would hire a organist yeah not grandma (laughs) and who wants to listen to an organist when they're gonna go see a movie honestly i mean i have appreciation for like a knight's woolitzer organ (laughs) but i i don't know if i want to go see like the new batman movie and, and have to listen to an organist that's true but it totally adds to the atmosphere yeah and clearly music plays a big part in this movie and even though this is not part of the score it's it's no it's something completely just there just something to have it's atmosphere so they continue to play this game where they have to pick another person 
uh, to become. And in one of the eeriest and most unnerving moments in the film, yeah. the date says, oh, I bet you want to trade places with the girl in the yellow, yellow dress. dress. Yeah. And Jay's looking all around and there is no girl with the yellow yeah. dress. Yeah, she said, whomst? She said, who? And immediately, you know that something's very wrong. Yeah. And it's interesting because he says it more than once. He seems pretty confident that this girl is there. Yeah. He doesn't second guess himself until she's looking around and then you can see in his face well, and she the asked, panic set in. Yeah. She asked if he's playing a joke on her. Exactly. And that's when you're like, oh, this is not right. Yeah. What is happening? Like, what is it? What is this setting up? And then they rush out of the theater. He's like, exactly. I don't feel well. Let's go. They flee the theater uh, and they go out to eat instead. And the movie does such an amazing thing. It doesn't pay attention to the fact that they're at a restaurant at all. It just pans closer and closer in between the two of them at like a booth to the window. Exactly. And you see one or two people walking around and that kind of introduces the theme of like, okay, what should I be looking out for? There's something coming. Exactly. So they have not had sex yet. No. The second encounter we have with the date is when they are going to consummate the relationship. Yeah. They're going to sin. They're going to sin. And they do it in the most like... Worst place to have sex. But it's like, um, you know, they do the very like 70s, 80s... Oh, well, having sex in a car is classic like teen moves. Yeah. So they go off into this wooded, deserted area. Yeah. They're in his old school car. Afterwards, you know, she's sort of like laying, you know, in the back of the car... Talking and about innocence. Talking about innocence. And childhood, playing with a flower, which is just all oh, things that are so. Gosh. And she's reminiscing about a. Oh, Glee. You see, this is why I needed you yeah. here. Yeah. Because you're putting everything together. There you go. She's reminiscing about being a child and not. And, and just talking blatantly yeah. about innocence. And the dreams that she had and driving in the car with and her And being friends. with a boy and talking about like being all yes. excited to rush into that. But immediately that is cut because when he comes around her chloroforms her knocks her out yeah and it's scary because once again it doesn't give you any information it's shocking but it's not forced you're focused on what she's saying and it's yeah. sort of this beautiful sweet scene yeah. and then it jumps right to her being knocked out by this guy it's probably a few hours later yes. she's tied to a wheelchair mm-hmm. in this like decrepit Abandoned building, building yeah. yeah she's Tied down, only wearing like her a, underwear, which I a, believe is what she was wearing when he chloroformed her. Yeah, obviously she had her clothes off. Yeah, time. but it's all pink and it's very, you know. It's also something that you could wear when you're much younger. It's not like adult. Oh yeah, yeah. No, underwear. it's not like revealing. It's yeah. It's very, it's very plain. That pink. It's very sweet. Yeah. Very innocent. Yeah. Um. And but it's it's it starts off with her being tied to the wheelchair and mm-hmm. and waking up, and he's just kind of pacing around with a flashlight. You see him looking. And now you're like, okay, the panic is setting in. Like, yes. We a had a feeling something sort. was going to be yeah. wrong, and now it's solidified. There is something very wrong here with this guy. Yeah. As she comes to, he starts talking to her and apologizing, mm-hmm. but it kind of explaining that, like, something is going to start following you. And this is something that he has to do. Yeah. He's sorry, but this is how it goes. Yeah. Obviously, none of this makes sense. At all. What is he talking about? What do you mean someone's going to follow me? And that's when, in another very subtle but incredibly scary scene, or pretty scary moment, he wheels her over to the uh, edge of this building and shows her that there is a 
person. Yeah. A very stoic, very slow walking yeah. being yeah. coming right towards like her. Like she's not giving you a strut. She's giving you like a she's casual you a walk. Slow, yeah. but very direct walk. Yeah. She has a purpose and she's also completely naked. I mean, not only is seeing a naked person slowly walk towards you very uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it also speaks to the fact that this is not a person. We are not. You can tell. Yeah. yeah we are yeah. looking at a a human being, but this is not manifest by a person. Yeah, exactly. So eventually this guy sort of proves to her that there is going to be something that he has. Now he has passed something on to her. This is what he's had to had to do. And he lets it get pretty close to her. He, he he lets it like walk like maybe like five ten feet away from her, still strapped in the wheelchair, and yeah. then that's when the panic for me and and her set in. Well, because like, you know he's not kidding, and no. that's the thing. And that's and he's the- walking around and looking at it, like walking yeah. around it, and it doesn't have any interest in him. It only exactly. wants her, but he can see it. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing, and 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 we can get more into this as we sort of unravel more about this movie. But there is a lot of technicalities when it comes to this being. There's a lot of yeah. logistics when it comes into it. You know, um, how it how it functions. Yeah. And it's interesting. The more you watch this movie, I think the more you pick up on, um, as far as you know, what what are the technicalities behind this? Yeah. So like you were saying, he really does the most when it yeah. comes to proving that this is real. This isn't just some random naked person walking towards no. you. No, this is something that is coming for, for you. you. Yeah. So he uh, very crudely takes her home and dumps her in the street. <gasps> oh my God. I'm sorry. That was like, it's not funny. It's not funny. But just he, he pulls up to her house and her sister and her friends are sitting outside like drinking a beer or something. And you see the car just kind of come up and abruptly stop and then he gets out and the sister asks is everything okay yes and then he kind of he leaves her on the street and but before he gets in the car and drives away he says don't let it touch you yes that's right and she gets up and then this roar of just like glitchy sound just starts erupting (gasps) and then it cuts to the ambulances um, yeah and her being checked out. and then her neighbors maybe commenting mm-hmm. on like the family and i think it's interesting so when she sort of comes out of this very strange and very eerie situation when she jumps back into the i guess quote unquote real world you see how the rest and this this continues through the movie you see how uh, the people surrounding her are handling the situation versus what's going on in her mind because she knows the truth. But to everyone else, I mean, they're thinking they're rooted in reality. Yeah. So if, you know, a guy takes her, she's in her underwear, he drops her off in the street, we all know what it looks like. Yeah. But it's not at all. And that's the scariest part of this movie. It's not like a witch is following her. It's not like there's like a, a mummy some, you know, it's not, ghost, it's, it's not a trope. It's, it's like oh, this. It's, it is it. And you don't know what it is. You don't know where it comes from. There's no explaining. And that makes it so much more scary and more realistic. Like, it feels like you're in that place of Jay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And it's convincing because it feels so real. Especially with, like, all the, um, the trials that are going on currently. It kind of feels like somebody was in an incident and is not being believed. So when it comes to the various themes of this movie that we've been i mean bouncing off each other for yeah god knows how long uh, too but long at this point <laughs> arguably the most prominent one and the one that is sort of the least nuanced is sex yeah sex is very important to this film it's like the 
whole driving force. When you're talking about the logistics of this being. It can only be passed on. It's passed through sex. And clearly that's an allusion to sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. And what I appreciate about it is that it's very obvious. The director and the writer didn't pretend like you have to really think really hard to figure it out that it's yeah. an STD. No, look, we we got it. It's pretty it's pretty, it's pretty just there obvious. for you to view. But I and and personally I get very frustrated when uh, movies sort of spoon feed like a message to the yeah. viewer, but this works really well. Yeah. It works really well because I mean, why not? Why yeah. can't a evil being be passed through sex? And be invisible. And not be far-fetched. It's Why just a not? person. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, too, that you brought up themes of sexual assault. Yeah. Because on one hand, even though the sex is consensual, the passing of this quote-unquote problem is not. Yeah. And then the fact that she has to kind of plead with people to believe her. Yeah. That's really relevant right now. And of course... There are no consequences for the sort of perpetrator. And, you know, given the perpetrator isn't necessarily the person who passed it because they were a victim as well. Correct. It is this... In the movie. Of course. Yes. Yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about the movie. But it's almost sort of like, I, I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. This is how it is. And I have to think of what would I do if I was in this position? Yeah. Could I bring myself to pass to it on it. to somebody else? Yeah. Especially somebody I know. So continuing on with the film, now they kind of start to ask questions. Like... The panic within the friend group starts to set in. And one of my favorite scenes in the film, um, she's in her bathroom kind of just staring at herself in white underwear. You see that sense of uneasiness yeah, in her. Yeah, she's a little shaken up. And she kind of just goes to like touch her body. As she's touching her body, she peeks down her underwear. Yeah, specifically. And that goes back to the fact that this was a, a sexual experience. Yeah. It's not on her. It's following. It's not mm-hmm. something that is in, in her, her control. It's not yeah. in her, which ties back to like the sexual assault yes. kind of situations where it's, it's not like a disease. Her. It's not a virus. Yeah. It's surrounding her. Yeah. It's a very, very demure moment. And then it, you're immediately kind of woken back up because a ball hits the window. And... It's terrifying because you're expecting some type of like moment where it's this girl coming to terms with something and it takes you right out of that that yeah. moment and pans outside. There's one of the little the neighbors. He's in the window and he's hiding. He's he's crouched on. That's kind of why I brought it up before is because these little boys are following her mm-hmm. and now she has this more serious real like deadly thing following her so it's almost like she's used to being followed yes and that's what's so scary about it now this isn't just you know a little kid following you like you were saying it's something something that could kill you yeah so now that she's back and this is currently affecting her and she vehemently believes that this is real and from what i remember there's no moment where she ever doubts the authenticity of this she never once doubts her her sanity she never thinks that you know did i imagine this did i kind of convince myself this was real and it's not she immediately tells her sister and her and their little friend group yes she immediately tries to explain it but of course they can't wrap their minds around it which is fair because when you say okay so i was in this wheelchair and there was this naked woman and she's walking towards me and she's gonna kill me unrealistic what how do you how do you explain that to people but they're kind of they're troopers i think that that you know good on them for kind of banding together in this little like ragtag team of kids to to help their friend correct and even though they are doubtful what they do know is that she is terrified and that there is something wrong even if they don't immediately believe that it's some sort of like supernatural entity they're ready and willing to help her 
um, which I really love. You already mentioned this about the lack of adults in this movie. There are very few references to adults. Adults never aid. It's all of these kids, you know, helping each other. And no parent is worried about it. And it's brought up once. That's right, with Greg, um, they, one of their friends. Who who soon becomes a part of the film. I mean, a central part of the film. So after the scene where she notices the little boy outside of her window kind of tormenting her. As yeah. She's having this very personal moment. Yeah. Um, she's seen sitting in her classroom. Yeah. Um, she's the back of the class. And she seems sort of off a a given because she just sort of experienced trauma yeah and she's looking out the window at the various people standing outside and the camera just starts to pan in a circle going through the classroom and then sweeping past the windows yes and you kind of get just a view of all the people outside yeah all the kids running around walking around running around sitting yeah and you don't see anything weird but that's we've seen this before in the film already and we're only like maybe 20 30 minutes in maybe because we don't see anything weird but how do you know because everything's exactly everything can be you know it's sort of like a whodunit like everyone can be the killer exactly so then after it kind of makes one sweep around it goes past jay again sitting in class Mm -hmm. now starting to look out the window yes and We pan past the window again, and you see an old woman Mm -hmm. walking straight forward. And not only is it an old woman, it's a barefoot old woman in a hospital gown. Yeah, like a nightgown, hospital gown kind of situation. Or nightgown, perhaps. She has a leg brace, just to be really specific. Um, But you see her start walking directly towards the camera. Yes. And she's far away. And another important thing to know is that nobody around this old woman is interacting is with inter- her. And of course, if you if you were on a college campus and you saw an elderly barefoot woman in a nightgown walking, you'd probably stop and stare. Yeah, some, somebody would at least walk up to her and or say, something. hey, are you yeah. okay? Uh, nobody does. So that you know this has got to be it. And then after another kind of 360, she just walks out of the classroom and starts walking down the hallway. She walks through a conversation with these two girls and they give her a look. And then she keeps looking back. Mm-hmm. And then guess who turns the corner? It's her. It's it. It's, it follows. It, it's it. And it's there. And it's, it's an, close. And it's the old woman who walks right through these girls. And the um, girls, of course, don't, don't acknowledge flinch, it at all. Don't look. Just like they didn't, they acknowledged Jay before. So you know Jay is present. Jay is real. And then you know that, that it's by, not. That it, this this old woman being, is it. Yeah. The music once again starts ramping up. It's like this really driving LFO like sub, and it's. Those words probably mean nothing to okay. It's many just this listeners. really scary sound. <laughs> okay, put it in lay terms. It's just it sits in like the pit of your stomach, and then she bolts. You know, and now Jay has been formally introduced to it. She knows how it functions, and she knows what it can do. There is solid evidence that she is in peril, and she needs to figure out a way to solve this. And you know, additionally, that it can be anywhere. Yeah, it can come to her in her home. It can come to her in. It's going to get to lot. her no matter what. It can come to her in class. It can get to her no matter what. With this like real sense of fear starting to kick in, her friends start. Her friends have that sense of like, okay, like something's really the matter, and they all sleep over her house. Mm -hmm. And this boy, who you kind of see, there's like some awkwardness with him. Definitely has a thing for her. Yeah, and it's so it's so innocent and it's so childish. It's really cute. Yeah, it's this like sweet childish crush, and we even um you know, kind of um get a little bit of background information when she joins him on the couch when she can't sleep. And she says to him, you know, you were my first kiss. Yeah. So this like kind of, you know, like this sweet sort of innocent, playful uh, dynamic between the two of them. Right. 
And then immediately after that, they're sitting on the couch. They're talking. This is in the middle of the night. You know, Mm -hmm. he's kind of there to like watch out for her. And you hear a rock like or something come through a window. Yeah, the window shatters. He gets up. He goes, looks. He's like, yeah, I don't see anything. But someone threw a rock through the window. Like, I'm going to get your sister. And he runs upstairs. Yeah. And then Jay's alone. And she just starts walking to where it happened. And this might be one of the scariest parts of the movie for me because mm-hmm. it's the first time that she's like you know she was just face to face with it but this is the first time that she's like in her home yeah she's being like truly threatened by it yeah it's just like a young woman it kind of looks like she's in some type of like cheerleading outfit or mm-hmm. some type of like uniform yeah and her arms are kind of contorted behind her back she her teeth are busted yeah. her eyes are black and she's urinating and walking towards her and this music starts screeching. Let's talk a little bit about the first very close encounter we have with it yeah. um, in Jay's home. Yeah. It manifests as a very peculiar form. Yeah. It's it's kind of, um, I guess it's, kind of, it's sort of dehumanizing. It's kind of yeah. degrading. There is no rhyme or reason why it, looks the way it does but um i could i could suggest um that perhaps it's because there is such a disregard for jay that it's not her friend it's not gonna play with her so it's like yeah i'm gonna pee on your floor (laughs) (laughs) you're not wrong yeah maybe listen she doesn't have to clean it up i'm curious if the pee was there no it's not. Oh, it's wait. Well, you have definite. I'm, I don't have. Okay, so I don't have definite proof. But, but I, I feel do like know even for if... a fact that when and this is skipping. This is skipping to the very end. So I apologize. But when it bleeds, only she can see it. So if it. If, oh my god! <gasps> I never put that together. Yes. So okay, if it's yes. if it's peeing on the floor, she's the only one who's experiencing okay. it. Anyway, so this thing like starts like coming towards her, runs up to her room, and. She, you know, closes the door behind her, locks her in. She's, you know, very shaken, crying, and her friends Naturally. are knocking on the door, wanting her open, but How she, she's reluctant know? to, because you don't know, you don't know. At this point, she still doesn't fully understand what it's capable of, exactly. if it can walk through walls. You know, you see it, you now know it can pick up a rock and climb through a window, apparently. Exactly. After that second scene, we know that it can take any form, any age, any gender, and though people can't see it, it can interact with the world around it because it can pick up the rock and throw it through the window. Like it's Correct. it's in touch. Correct. Um. So her friends are knocking on the door. You can hear them. She doesn't know if this thing can talk. She doesn't know if this thing can, you know, trick her. She opens the door after this big, you know, crescendo into just like screeching noises and it's nothing. The music cuts and there's a sense of like, oh, OK, we're safe. There's another knock on the door. Mm-hmm. And... And this it doesn't is- respond, and the sister goes to the door, and she's like, who is it? And it's the friend, her sister's friend, who was still sleeping. And then she opens the door, and it's all okay for a second. Well, it's like a, it's like a fake-out scare, because there's this really building tension of, you know, okay, so now if, if we're all here, then who's, who's yeah. at the door? Yeah, no and she, too. She, <laughs> she finally opens it, and it's just the sleepy friend. So you think, all right, I let okay. my door down, and she walks in, and possibly this okay we th- keep saying that the scariest part the scariest because it swear, is it's every time it's something different terrifying in walks tall guy a massive man, man who's and just towering over her but in what is what is so 
uncomfortable about it is that she the, doesn't the friend know she it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't care about her yeah move the friend doesn't turn around and doesn't you're, flinch and you're yeah. Like, yeah yeah get away yeah um so a fun fact about the actor who played that uh role of the the towering man uh he's seven seven that's crazy yeah i can't even think about being like five ten and let alone this this person Seven seven. Seven seven. I mean perfect casting because and, and that's actually uh, a really interesting thing I didn't even really think about. But when we're talking about it um having the ability to take any form it can be it can be a seven seven man. Yeah. So if it can be a seven seven man, why can't it be a nine foot tall man? Yeah. And it's no and so far it's still nobody that she knows. Right. And we were actually told when she was first being introduced to this concept by the uh uh date that it can be a stranger or a family member whatever it needs to do to get close to her yeah but so far we don't have any family members we don't have any friends not that we know of so even though it is a human being you can tell as the viewer it's not there's something wrong with it it's not like a friendly face it's not a warm friendly normal human being no you can tell the difference uh for the most part between the uh, human beings in the scene and then it yeah as the in in as human being manifest yeah so then jay freaks and she runs she runs right out of this like window, window onto a roof yeah. like her like her downstairs I mean, roof you know a girl is scared when she's like this is not a jump joke jump out of her own window to escape this thing and her friends are just looking through the window like um hey sis what's going on and it's it's behind them it's standing there behind them exactly. as they're exactly. like, girl, what's happening? She's gone. She gets on a bike and bikes all the way to like a park that's, you know, yeah. she's pedaling like very fast. She's obviously far away. And this is when we're introduced to Greg, who's Correct. across the street in a car with somebody. Um, and he kind of sees her and the person that sh- he's with comments on it. And then we cut to Jay sitting on a swing once again with a sense of innocence panicked looking around her mm-hmm. and then she kind of settles and she starts kind of swinging a little bit and then you see a bunch of you see multiple figures and she's a little freaked but then it's her friends yes um you know she has a sense of of you know safety and calm mm-hmm. and then although i mean that being said and i think it is she of course she would feel safer being around other people as opposed to being alone as any person would but it doesn't matter she can be she can be in a room with 100 people if yeah. it is there it's gonna get her and something to know is she we're given kind of the rules don't let it touch you yeah but it's never really explained yet what it will do what it can do how it will get you what happens if you're touched by it so now she's with her friends and then after she's in this kind of um sense of safety with her friends they see another figure come out of the shadow coming towards them in this park in the middle of the night and it's the the character Greg who we're now introduced to, yes. um, and he's asking her questions, and he really blatantly is like, "What did he do to you?" Yeah, he he's like, and we don't know much about Greg. We don't really understand the relationship too much. We At know all. that that um, they're neighbors, they're neighbors, and that they've known each other before. But he seems very concerned about her. Yeah, and kind of immediately jumps into this group without hesitation. Yeah, so th- they're common enough that they knew each other's names, you know, and they're friendly. 
And right away, they start being like, we need to find who this guy was. Did, you know, that yes. wasn't his real name, you know. Well, so the, yeah, so the first mission um, to solve this problem is to find uh, our sort of assailant, the man who's passed this on to her. And Greg offers a drive. And only she knows who this is. Or Although we do learn yeah. that it was, and, and we learn from the police um, when she's, um, when she comes back home from that encounter that it was a fake name. He, he rented, rented an out apartment. a house. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to have, we're, so our sort of our first uh, quest is to go find this guy. And, you know, her friends and now Greg, who, you know, there's no saying that they truly, truly deeply believe, believe that this her. is real, yeah. but they immediately are on it. Band, band together to yeah. help her, which get you friends like getting that. friends like that, that will help you battle an evil deity because yeah. you know, that's real. I mean, that's like me and you when, you're like, hey, I'm hungry. And I'm like, on my way. Pretty much the same thing. You know? Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So they go on this mission to find the guy, hoping that it will sort of help amend the issue. 